3: What a meal, Albie. What a meal. And today, because I'm a fat jerk, I whacked out the rest of your fettuccine Alfredo with broccoli. We went to a Ralphie's yesterday in Salem, New Hampshire, which, by the way, Alice, we need to have them uh, ad, ad, do an advert.
4: Maybe we should make them, uh, what did we? What did
3: you call it? A spec spot. We'll, we'll make them a spec spot. Al, we I learned that. all
4: my radio lingo from you. That's me. right.
3: That's right. I became master of the spec spot at the uh, Boston Herald. <clears throat> the more desperate I am. <laughs> um and so that's right. A spec spot is just a fake spot. But so here's the thing. Ralphie's in Salem, New Hampshire, New Hampshire is a great place with great staff, and we had tripe yesterday it was the first time in a while. And it was bleeping delicious. It was so delicious. I can't even begin to tell you. Tripe is so good. I feel so bad for people who don't who don't <laughs> I've never
4: it. tried it, I don't think.
3: Have you not? I don't think so. It's not for you. You got to get in on a tripe early, I think. It's not something you come around late to. Some I don't do. even
4: do like oysters. I don't. That's... Because I have texture. I don't like that. That is not... I don't like weird texture. Yeah,
3: that is too bad. That is too bad that your palate is like that because oysters, beautiful cold cherry stones with beautiful lemon juice Creep is out. delicious. No, it's just too bad for you that you're missing what <laughs> the proper software to enjoy life because... It's delicious. Goodness, it's so good. So we had a great um, uh, meal there, and then um, it was just fun. And then uh, uh, Uncle Jimmy came over, and he pulled a good, a nice visual, um, fun birthday game for Cyril. If you guys don't know, um, in the Transformer movies, the yellow car in Transformers is called Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. I just learned that this, this year. And Cyril was Bumblebee for Halloween. This year, and he loves Bumblebee. And my brother got a Bumblebee remote control form, which actually turns into a transformer pretty from cool. a car, which yeah. is pretty cool. I've never quite seen that before. And then on its
4: own, we have one that you have to like.
3: Oh, I should put this on part, the, part of this on our, on our locals as well. of fact, this video.
4: Yeah. So, They're, but we've had one in the past that you have yeah. to like manually change him, which is annoying. But this one changes on its own, which is pretty cool.
3: So I'm going to. I'm going to. Put the video up. So then we were playing with the Cyril, who's our four year old, was playing with his remote control in the driveway yesterday. Uh, Uncle Jimmy told him go out and do that, and then Uncle Jimmy ran around the corner and then pulled in with a Camaro, like uh, the Bumblebee Camaro, right? A yellow Camaro. Cyril got to drive in it to the to Ralphie's, which was great. What a great day! What a nice, uh, nice, um, what's that called? A trick of art. Piece of eye, trick of eye, tr- pull of nose. <laughs> S- l'oeil, sle- Sleight of hand. Okay. Nice sleight of hand by Uncle Jimmy.
4: Yes, very clever. It was very cool. He found a place to rent one. It was very, what? Rent the Camaro, the yellow Camaro. Oh, yeah, Camaro. that's right. He
3: used the thing... Uh, ro- Toro? Toro, yeah. It's like uh, Airbnb, he said, for, for that kind of stuff. Oh, so anyway... So sit. you had a
4: nice day yesterday? I had a nice day today. It was Palm Sunday. Happy Easter, by the way, those of you who are Westerners, including my husband.
3: Thank you. And- oh, we're having um, Charlemagne's. What are these called? Mama Alexis, yes.
4: Are you totally missing words today? Do you have any words?
3: I don't. I don't. I had... Um, I think I stroked out during my sleep last night. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Again. Last night was just ter- turned into too late a night. And it was just, I'm I'm not up usually clockwise up that late. So I'm just a damaged goods then I don't think i I think my, whatever, who cares? Who cares? I'm a fat idiot is what the problem is. And so I have whatever's coming to me, okay? But I'm, my health kick this week, I already feel bad. I feel bad for the crushing of abs I'm going to do, including tomorrow during the day. Let's mm-hmm. get to the news, shall we, Alice? Let's go. All right. So for the Sunday shows today, the Ashes Jaw. Uh, era is with us now and he is the new healthcare he's the new covid lead the new covid task force lead at the um at the white house so he was everywhere today and we talked about him last year because he had a particularly jerky twitter thread when somebody dared to not wear a mask on a flight he's an a-hole really is what he is but that but so i, I and so I, I i cleaned the slate for him today i thought okay i'm gonna listen to what this guy has to say and and make a determination on how i feel because th- the biggest problem with these people has been their communication right and in in because of the interviewers and all the sunday shows are afraid to cross examine them because they put them on pedestals usually it's just double speak and these weird platitudes of nothingness these guys speak like Weasley diplomats which is terrible You wouldn't want your own doctor to be, you know, saying, well, on one hand, one can see over the horizon that Mm -hmm. there are several factors that we're going to have to induce into the conversation. It's like, do I, is that cancer or not? Just answer the thing. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer the question. But these guys never answer the question. And when they don't answer the question, part of me who, uh, in my 20s... uh, was often hanging around disreputable people. people part of me, um, and still sometimes now, part of me says to myself, wait a second, somebody's hiding the truth from me. Somebody's committing a lie of omission right now. Somebody's not saying something that they could be saying. Much like Alice, like when you were putting me against the wall in the Howie Car stuff, where I was being very careful mm-hmm. to tiptoe lightly and everything. <laughs> but that's just me. I'm not a, a, an important medical uh, lead and anything. So here we go. So this this is called getting Ashish to simply answer the question. First, he was on with uh, Chuck Todd. I'm sorry I'm sniffling into the thing again. I'm so sorry, it's not too. as bad. First, this is Chuck Todd. Um asks Ashish Chuck. He's the new COVID task force lead. Mm-hmm. Ask him is fauci still there too and rochelle walensky is there so those it's those yeah like, who did he replace again jeff something another cantankerous guy i guy told us that last winter was the winter of death and destruction <sighs> all right chuck todd ask ask jaw ja the question
1: let me start with the current state of the pandemic uh are we in the middle of a new search
3: yes did you hear a question there so are first we... of all as you hold point- on did you hear a question Yes. What was it?
4: Are we in the middle of a new surge?
3: Okay, good. So let's listen again. So that, to me, certainly is most likely a yes-no question, but it can be yes or no with some elaboration.
1: Let me start with the
5: current state of the pandemic. Uh, Are we in the middle of a new surge? Yeah, so first of all, as you pointed out, Chuck, um, really important to take that bigger picture perspective. We are in a...
3: What the... Where did we go? What just (laughs) happened? Why does he immediately start dancing here? Ask. He just asked you, Serge. You should know what that means, right, Ashish? Right. Just address the specific question as if you're a a a professional and expert in the field who's going to disseminate information to right. the people. So, if
4: you ask me this question yes. as a person who's not an expert in the field by any means, but who mm-hmm. reads a lot of news, um, and who looks at like the actual dashboards and data day by day. Um, I would say that we are at the start of a new surge in cases, not in the middle of a surge. You know, back in January, we were in the middle of the Omicron surge. Now we are at the beginning of a new uptick. It remains to be seen how big it is and if those cases continue to translate into hospitalizations right. and deaths.
3: Right. And you could even you could even say um, no, we're not in a traditional surge because at this point now with this, the narrative of this Omicron a, a surge in last year resulted in hundreds of thousands of deaths. And that's right. not where we are right now. So we're not using that. But let's listen again.
1: Let me start with the current state of the pandemic. Uh,
5: are we in the middle of a new surge? Yeah, so first of all, as you pointed out, Chuck, um, really important to take that bigger picture perspective. We are in a much, much better place than we have been for the last uh, two years. Certainly way better than we were in January, right? And that's really good. Um, cases
3: are ticking up. The question was not, are we in a much better position than we've been? <laughs> and how are we compared to during January? So the, the problem is this. The problem is that in not answering the question, I and most human beings are saying he's not answering the question. Now, I expect that from somebody uh, who's a a politician, a lying weasley politician, but this guy's not supposed to be that.
4: And the problem is is that both sides are going to read into that what they want. Mm -hmm. The hashtag COVID is not over people are going to say that he's scared to admit we're in the middle of a deadly surge that's going to kill a bunch of people, and why isn't he brave enough to tell people what they don't want to hear, which is that we all need to lock ourselves in our houses again. Right? That's what they're going to think. And the people who believe COVID is over or who even believe that like COVID never existed in the first place or was never deadly at all are going to say, he's just trying to find an excuse to lock us all back up again, Mm -hmm. you know? So nobody's going to be happy with that. You just have to say what you actually think. That's the problem. As I pointed out to certain co-hosts of mine last week, you know, when you dance around because you're trying to perform for a bunch of different audiences that you have in your head reacting to you, Everybody knows that you're not on the level and you're not saying what you really think.
3: Right. Because people can tell. Right. So in my situation, I knew that I I would be underserving and ticking off like every interest group involved in that situation, but not completely, but somewhat because the full bleepness was somewhat. But that's right. I'm not responsible for the task force that deals with the pandemic that killed a million people. <laughs> that guy. You're only responsible right. for a podcast. So. Right. In the possible uh, ravaging I'll get and have gotten.
5: And we're going to want to watch this carefully. Uh, It's it's being driven primarily by BA2, this highly contagious variant of Omicron. Um, You know, so far, as you said, hospitalizations are largely flat, maybe inching up a little in a few places. Um, We're going to have to pay very close attention to this and see where this goes. And
3: and, and also, the the real problem is his fear of what we'll do with the information is his number one priority. Right. is Is top of mind for him. He can't be honest with us because what will stupids like you and I do with the information?
4: Right. It's the same thing as Fauci back in March of 2020, not wanting to say that he thought masks worked because he was afraid people would take healthcare worker masks and cause a shortage. Right. So it's the same. There's still fearful, or, you know, Fauci later the next year when he said that herd immunity what were what would be the herd immunity numbers and it was time to adjust up to move the targets because to get people vaccinated you had to tell them something different you know like he's not concerned with what the number is to achieve herd immunity he's concerned with what number he should tell you to get you to do what he right. wants and it's the same with Ashish Jha right now he's sitting here saying he's not interested in saying what he thinks the true thing is he's interested in saying the thing that he thinks will get people to react the right way.
3: Exactly, and we found out through <coughs> through those Fauci emails that I guess must have been FOID that when some celebs and famous people asked him, his answers to them were direct and right. candid. Where the ones we got were the doublespeak, where the was the BS, and so and and so it just shows you that you know there is a truth being spoken; it's just not being spoken to us. Because they don't think we know how to handle the situation. So so I saw him also on Fox with Mike Emanuel. And I just that the, what you just heard was the first question from Chuck Todd. Here's the first question from Mike Emanuel. How concerned
5: should the average American feel? Yeah, Mike, it's a really good question. If you look across the country, infection numbers are still low by historical averages. And hospitalizations, as you said, are at the lowest level of the pandemic.
3: What was the question?
4: How worried should people be?
3: How concerned should the average person feel? Mm-hmm. So he could address that he just emmanuel had started by saying okay so the cases are up here and then but the, the hospitalizations aren't yet da, 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 da. how concerned should the average person feel well mike the average level of concern for the average person should be pretty low should be moderate should be concerned but vigilant should be no, those are answers to that question right correct. to that question if we're playing how concerned should the average american
5: feel Yeah, Mike, it's a really good question. If you look across the country, infection numbers are still low by historical averages. And hospitalizations, as you said, are at the lowest level of the pandemic. So that's the good news. Uh, BA2 is causing an increase in cases. We're going to want to watch that carefully, Mm -hmm. see if it translates into severe disease. At this point, it's much more about paying close attention, seeing what happens. And that's what we're doing right now.
3: Oh, okay. Well, that's how concerned. It's, it's remarkable these people
4: yeah he didn't ask what you're doing he asked right. what the average person should be feeling right now
3: and it's it's it, and he just so Jacques comes back with just busy work well this now well, this well this well this we're looking across the country you know cases haven't gone through the roof so yet so but but it's what I don't get is or, or is this the design to have them come out and say nothing Because you'd think that they're pushing the lead of the coronavirus task force out there on a Sunday show to communicate information to people.
4: Well, so here's what part of what I think is happening is the Biden administration continues to have polls come out that look worse and worse for them. And the one thing where they've held any kind of pluses in the polls where you can you know tease out any kind of positive signals is there are still a fair number of people it's like roughly 50 50 i forget what it is it may be like 48 percent of the country thinks that biden is handling covid well or something in the latest quinnipiac poll that i looked at so the the covid response is the one area where the biden administration still has anyone who thinks that they're doing a good job <coughs> and that's not everybody Right. There are pe- there are a lot of people who would obviously like to see him doing more. And there are a lot of people who think it like me, that it's time for the government to step out of this and move on and to doing something else, because there's nothing more that they can do about this. None of their policies that they have left will help in any way. Although well, the, why, I will get to something later, but I I do think that that there is a. <clears throat> that there's a feeling in the Biden White House that, that the one thing they have is they look like they're competently handling COVID. So doing anything too far in either direction on that screws it up. Going too far to the, you know, we're surging, everybody panic, you have to do this, everybody needs to mask, time to lock back down, close the school then it looks like they've lost control of COVID, which is bad. So they have to be able to continue the message that they have COVID under control and they're winning the war on COVID. They also have to make sure that they're keeping the message out there that COVID is a real thing that we have to worry about because if COVID goes completely away, then it's no longer an issue that's in the news that's the one thing left that they're handling well even to anybody right? So they're walking a fine line where they need to keep saying that COVID is something we need to keep doing something about and is newsworthy. And that's why we're sending you this COVID person. But we're winning and we're beating it and we're doing everything right. And it's not out of control and you don't have to worry. So I feel like they're trying to walk this public opinion line where they can continue to chalk up COVID as a win for them.
3: Yeah, but I think that the the moment you've weaponized politically your covid guy i think people see him as a weaponized covid guy covid right. guy so they've made him they've used they're using him as an apparatchik out there and he's become just an apparatchik like everybody else but i think also that the that i think liberals and progressives have seen that people are done with this right and i think they're seeing that to keep playing this stuff uh, cynically for the reasons that you're talking about mm-hmm. because it's the only thing that they can talk about it, it now that's not sucking terribly um
4: yeah they haven't screwed it up as badly as ukraine or the economy yet however i will point out that they have actually screwed up the covet response um with an outsized focus on vaccines with not enough focus on like monoclonal antibodies with blocking some states from being able to get enough monoclonal antibodies early Mm. on now there are new covid treatments out and they're screwing up the distribution of those too they've been coasting on essentially what's really the trump vaccine the operation warp speed vaccine and the trump plan to get it out there which it it unfolded exactly on the timeline that Trump advertised it would. Trump said in the election that the vaccines would be available to everyone in the American people by mid-April, and they were, right? That happened exactly as Trump described it would on the basis of the information that he had and the work he had done laying that out. So that is the Trump vaccine and the Trump plan. So they've coasted on that. And in the meantime, while trying to claim the success of the vaccine, <clears throat> they focused on trying to mandate it for people forcing people to get the vaccine who don't want it uh, you know to an well, outsized area to the point where they're playing down these treatments so i saw jerome adams the former op- surgeon right
3: about that by the way and also i want to i want to add that is that speaking of lies of omission is that they weren't playing up anything else like the monoclonal antibodies because these guys had to be all in on every sunday show Talking about how it was deathly important, that you got vaccine and boosted, vaccine and boosted.
4: Right, and they they've been so heavily focused on that, and the feeling among the administration has been. And it was the same thing with the tests. When experts came to them last October and said, we need to unroll a huge testing initiative and have at-home tests available to everybody, the White House laughed them out of the office. And the feeling was, among the experts, that they did that because they thought that it would decrease vaccine uptake if people could get more tests and if people could get these treatments. Now, Jerome Adams tweeted this weekend, who is not a Trump fan and is very, like, follow the science... Big COVID industrial complex kind of guy, by the way This is the former uh, Surgeon General General under Trump But he's been very anti-Trump in the time Mm -hmm. since he tweeted this weekend, I've seen and heard experts, good and smart people tout Paxlovid and test to treat as home runs and game changers, but it can't change the game if the drug is on the sidelines. And he tweets an NBC News article. So again, this is not like some Fox conspiracy theory. Hundreds still dying from COVID every day. Why is Paxlovid sitting on the shelves? The supply of Pfizer's highly effective antiviral pill is rapidly increased, but many physicians still aren't prescribing it. And he tweets, the failure to initially have more of the drug available, the failure now to actually get it to those who could most benefit, isn't a home run. It's a strikeout. Only we aren't losing a game. We're losing hundreds of lives daily. (coughs) Meanwhile, experts and pundits on TV and social media proclaiming all is well because you can get Paxlovid are speaking from a place of blissful ignorance or privilege and creating a false narrative that ignores health inequities.
3: (coughs) Actually, you know, like sorry i need button. the cough
4: button not you today here's the truth the rollout of Paxlovid and and monopiravir i don't even know that one by the federal government has been an unmitigated health equity disaster the drug could and should be saving hundreds of lives a day but it's not sugarcoating it costs more lives Constructive criticism. There needs to be a massive physician education campaign by the CDC, FDA, NIH, and a patient education campaign by the White House and CMS bonus payments to hospitals and providers for prescribing and ensuring early treatment. He is all over it. And it's interesting because the White House continues to advertise about vaccines and trying to get kids on vaccines who are virtually zero risk for covid and we right. know that the vaccines have been the least effective for the people that most need them, the mm-hmm. most vulnerable and at risk and cancer patients and stuff. These are the people that need to have these extra treatments available to them. Mm-hmm. And the White House isn't focused on this at all. And it's incredible that that they're touting their success in COVID when literally the only thing that they've done well was on Trump's coattails and everything that they've been in charge of since that could have mitigated any of the effects of the pandemic has been a complete disaster. This is Jerome Adams and NBC Mm -hmm. calling this a disaster. Not me, not Tucker Carlson, not Fox News. And they're saying it's an equity disaster, that this isn't getting to the people that it needs that are at risk from dying of this thing still. That's That's what's incredible.
3: Yeah, that is huge. And a year ago, we were talking about this, saying it's a miracle drug essentially has come around and it's interesting. You never do hear about it now. Yeah, they're sticking to, to vaccines, vaccines, vaccines. The administration put everything else aside.
4: They it- also announced a couple of weeks ago the White House is ending free COVID-19 testing and treatment for uninsured Americans. So it's like, what, what exactly are you doing now? Like, in what capacity can they possibly claim any COVID success? Because you're still making people wear masks on airplanes where nobody right. catches COVID anyway. That's, well, well, that's let's, what let's, you're in charge of. Let's talk.
3: Let's Chuck Todd actually is where <coughs> he's hovering around these questions. He asks um, Ja about uh, in a badly formed question, a very Tom Shattuck presentation of a question. He asks about going to the well too many times with the restrictions.
1: Are you concerned though if you do something like this based on a case count, not on hospitalizations, that it it it's sort of a as uh, I believe uh, one of the doctors uh, that the Washington Post regularly has a columnist. Uh, for uh, Dr. Wen, I think she said
5: y- you risk a crying wolf situation. Yeah, look, you know how you communicate these kinds of decisions to your community is an enormous challenge that that all local and 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 federal leaders face, right? Uh, that is always important. And the question is, are the leaders in Philadelphia and other cities making decisions based on what they think is the best interest of people there? Uh, I think they are. I think in general, that's what most of our political leaders are doing. They're trying to get the, this right. And they've got to figure out how to communicate that in a way that uh, people understand. When cases are going up, uh, you know, they're going to look at their own local communities, figure out which, where is it spreading, and make those decisions. And I don't think it's important. I don't think it's useful for those of us sitting in Washington right. to second guess those decisions.
3: Yeah, but it's useful if the decision should be second-guessed. If there's other health fallout for those decisions, mandates, kids with masks, and this and that, it is useful. So for him to say that, I don't think it's useful. for or, Wait a second. You're the COVID task force. It's led by the guy who works for the Dr. Fauci, the most brilliant man in the history of all medicine, Rochelle Walensky, who runs the CDC, and now this guy, John. Yeah. So, you guys have to give the nod to every decision made in every state by a politician in an election year, no matter how insane those decisions are? I don't think it's useful. Well, then, what the hell good are you, you freaking hack? You bureaucratic, freaking limp layabout? Really? It's ridiculous. So um, he's also asked about travel restrictions.
1: Well, speaking of a Washington decision, the federal transportation mask mandate is something that's a Washington decision, whether on airplanes or another federally funded public transportation. What metric are you looking at for
5: this decision on May 3rd? Yeah. So first and foremost, this is a CDC decision, right? And the CDC scientists, what they laid out was they said, look, we need 15 more days. And the reason we need 15 more days...
3: I'm going to defer to the CDC. I'm going to defer to the state. I'm going to defer to local health. I'm going to defer to the, well, then what are you, what is anybody anywhere doing? Is there a leader? Well, the thing is, of course, that this guy shouldn't be the leader. There is a calcified man in the White House who should be the leader, who should be saying, that's all over. That's all over. Well, we found that the the mask mandate on planes, it's inconclusive, and Biden should be saying, it's over. Well,
4: right. And here's part of the problem, too, of having all these layers of different government that's in charge of so much stuff and have these, like, bloated mandates is that all these officials try and pass the buck off to each other constantly. Mm -hmm. Right. This happened in the Massachusetts public schools because when Baker's, like, school mask mandate ended they claimed that the students still had to wear the masks on buses because the school buses count as public transportation under some cdc guidance that public transportation needs masks so the students still had to wear the masks on buses for a while after Mm -hmm. it ended for the school itself which was under the department of elementary and secondary education which the school boards wanted to pass the buck to because they didn't want to have to make the decision so they're all and it's like all these competing Different levels of government are all layering on top of each other. And it leads to such confusion over what the rules even actually are that, like, most people can't parse it out. And the local officials that actually end up controlling your life just go like, oh, well, we just have to ban. It's some it's above me. I can't do anything
3: about even when they're wrong. Right. Which is why you had the health director of Philadelphia. (laughs) Making the dictation last year, the dictate last week that the masks were back.
4: Right, starts Monday.
3: Right. There is a mayor in Philadelphia, but no. That was not... Right, there's a board of health in
4: Philadelphia, too. I mean, and there's a mayor
3: and there's school boards. Yes, but you would think the elected leader, but he wants to be or she (laughs) wants to be nowhere near anything.
4: Oh, right. No, I defer to the experts
5: is that cases are rising, we want to see, is this going to translate into more severe disease, more hospitalizations, more deaths? Uh, That's why they asked. I think in 15 days, we'll have a lot more information. And then they are going to make a decision. They're going to make a recommendation based on uh, their assessment of the science.
3: It's been more than 700 days of this stuff, but we haven't had 15 days to do this particular kind of machination with the non-fatal strain of the non-fatal strain right and you well know, now we need 15 days nope we have
4: i talked to a relation of mine that lives in philadelphia yesterday and you know i said to her like you know we, we know probably this like uptick in cases probably will be followed by some people getting severely ill mm-hmm. and dying of covid just like people die in flu season every year and we did not make people all put on masks every flu season and she said yeah but she said I work uh, with and around a lot of these people and they would say well maybe we should have been the whole time and that's the dangerous thing right is like now now this policy is going to be retrofitted not just onto COVID but onto flu season onto RSV onto every other thing that if it saves even just one life if it makes us feel like maybe we could potentially be saving even just one life then it's worth it to do it
3: so here's the other thing, though, and this goes with the the airplane thing, is that with the travel restrictions on the airplanes, where you have to have the masks on the airplanes, we are now having people have to take a measure that is ineffective because masks don't do anything. Omicron, one of the big lessons of COVID nineteen is that it doesn't care about the masks, your masks. It doesn't. Right. Or, or at 98% of the masks out there, you know? That's one of the things. The other thing we learned that was a very interesting thing about this is that, oddly enough, you, it doesn't get spread in planes. Yeah, mostly because so the they cycle place, the air completely The one out. place, which is absolutely not, not a risky situation, that's the one place that still has to have...
4: Right, mostly because there's completely new air in the airplane like every right. two minutes. There's not like COVID building up in the air around you like in a. Poorly so now we're doing a place.
3: performative thing at a place that's also a performative setting. Right. So it's no no COVIDia, but we're doing. We're gonna make it happen, and everybody knows this. And the flight attendants know this, and the passengers know this, and they're already about to cold cock each other when they get on the flights because the flight attendants like, oh god, I don't want to hear it, <laughs> or or they're just sick of the last two years, and the passengers are like, just leave me alone, dude or lady, whatever. And it's 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 absolutely crazy. So here's another uh, here's another um, Chuck Todd asked him about the mandates, which he was a big. You were an advocate
1: of a vaccine mandate uh, when you were on the other side of, uh, of this uh, uh, in your private capacity here. Is that something that can be implemented, a vaccine mandate for air
5: travel? Um, that's a really good question. I mean, I think, you know, when I was uh, I have always believed and certainly in the early days of the pandemic, uh, once vaccines became available, I thought it was very important to get as many Americans vaccinated as quickly as possible. And mandates worked. Uh, mandates do
3: work. Mandates work, and what is the fallout of some of your working mandates? This is why you don't put the health people in in charge. Because, of course, yep, mandate it. Everybody gets a shot. Well, what about the Constitution? What about uh, rights? What about individuals? What about... No, no, no. As far as the health people, they would say, uh, ban cigarettes, ban booze, make mandates uh, for everything that I want there to be. Make um make a mandatory running five miles a day. Make it illegal to be on um uh, fat and unhealthy. Make it. He doesn't care. These are health care people. They're all for it. Yes. Make everything so that I don't have to do my thing anymore. Of course, this is like putting the fire department in charge of any kind of fire in the in the in the town. Shockingly enough, they're against them. Fire pits. Yeah. Nope. Fireworks. Nope. We're against it. Well, of course, they kids. Yeah, they'd
4: ban in-home electricity if they could,
3: because right. it would make their job easier. Of course, toasters. No, of course. Like, but we don't put them in charge of this. But we've seen. Right, we weigh their concerns right. with the
4: concerns of other people who want, like, the comforts of life.
3: It's just crazy. It's crazy, and that's why. I mean, oh, just so enough of this. So enough of this. We got to find another state to live in. By the way. Well, Alice, I'll tell
4: you, I'll tell you, we do need to find another state to live in. Because this goes back to living in blue states and uh, you know, the the issue with schools in general in this state and other states and um and oh so there's a lawsuit out. Two sets of parents are suing the Ludlow public schools, including like the superintendent and the Whatever all the different people involved in the schools There was like an interim superintendent at one point And including a Librarian named Jordan Funke uh, <clears throat> So this is from The lawsuit on or about September 2019 Defendant Jordan Funky. Now Jordan Funky is a Non-binary librarian mm-hmm. At Ludlow Middle School Defendant Jordan Bunge instructed incoming sixth grade students at Bard Middle School to create videos and include in the videos their gender identity and preferred pronouns. Plaintiff's uh, foot and Silvestri's 11-year-old daughter, B.F., who's not being identified because um, she was a minor at the time. Mm -hmm. She still is a minor. This was 2019. Uh... 11-year-old daughter BF was among the students given that assignment. Videos of their children were created without the parents' knowledge or consent, and it remains unknown how those videos were used or who was allowed to view them. Plaintiffs are informed and believe, and base their on allege, uh, defendant Funky had previously given the assignment to incoming sixth graders, including their son G.F., who was older. But since parents were not notified about the assignment, there was no way for plaintiffs or other parents to know. They learned of the video assignment and of their daughters and son's participation in it only after other parents had learned of the fact that their children had participated. They notified the administrators at the Bard Middle School and stated that they objected to defendant Funky's actions. They were told that the assignment would not be repeated without parental notice and consent. Then on or about December 14th, 2020, B.F., so this is later now, an 11 year old sixth grade student at Bard Middle School asked to meet with her teacher, Bonnie Manchester, virtually after school to discuss some issues. On December 15th, 2020, BF met virtually with Miss Manchester and told her that she was experiencing insecurity, low self-esteem, poor self-image, and a perceived lack of popularity. BF said that she had told a friend that she likes girls and that she had been watching YouTube videos, which presented the message that she was born that way. BF told Miss Manchester that she was depressed and needed help, but was not sure how to ask her parents about getting help. Miss Manchester offered to call BF's parents, and BF agreed. BF told Miss Manchester that she was relieved and grateful that Miss Manchester was calling her parents because BF was unsure how to broach the subject. Then, uh, on December 16th, 2020, Miss Manchester and other teachers said that they had observed that BF seemed to be depressed and that her parents should be contacted. Miss Manchester agreed to contact them since she had already discussed doing so with BF. On December 17th, she contacted the parents, notified them of her conversation and concerns about her feeling depressed. Miss Manchester also told her mom... Sorry,
3: can you move that picture... Pepper's trying to sit down like
4: Mrs. Silvestri, that BF had said she might be attracted to the same sex and was having issues with self-image. Mrs. Silvestri responded she had recently observed something was troubling her daughter and was grateful Miss Manchester had contacted her. Mm-hmm. They agreed to work together to help BF. The parents would schedule therapy for her and Miss Manchester would work with her on craft activities after school. The parents retained a therapist to work with their daughter soon after that call. On December 21, the mom sent the following email to the teachers. Defendant Monette, these are other school officials, Defendant Gaza, who is the superintendent and members of the defendant school committee. It has been brought to the attention of both Stephen and myself that some of B's teachers are concerned with her mental health. I appreciate your concern and would like to let you know that her father and I will be getting her the professional help she needs at this time. With that being said, we request that you do not have private conversations with our daughter in regards to this matter. Please allow us to address this as a family and with the proper professionals. They are informed and believe, based thereon, allege that the uh, officials and teachers who received the email disregarded the parents' instructions and that the superintendents failed to direct the Bard Middle School staff should comply with their instructions. So this goes on; um, they continued to disregard the parents' instructions. They uh, continued to ignore the parents' request that they leave their daughter's mental health care. which they were pursuing with medical professionals out of school conversations with their daughter and leave it to Mm -hmm. the medical professionals that they had hired to handle it. So it goes on and goes back and forth. Um, Then they find out that... um, The teachers and counselors similarly disregarded the parents' intent regarding their son, G.F., by engaging in regular conversations with him, who had identified as transgender and requested to be called by a female name, S., in which they affirmed the discordant identity and alternate name. Uh, They did not notify the parents of those conversations, but instead concealed the information for them as they did for their daughter, B. Then in February of the following year, the student, the 11-year-old, Sent to uh, the teachers and superintendent and the um, principal of the school, including Miss Manchester, who she had originally talked to. Hello, everyone. If you are reading this, you are either my teacher or guidance counselor. I have an announcement to make and I trust you guys with this information. I am genderqueer. Basically, it means I use any pronouns other than it or its. This also means I have a name change. My new name will be R. Please call me by that name. If you dead name me or use any pronouns I am not comfortable with, I will politely tell you. I am telling you this because I feel like I can trust you. A list of pronouns you can use are she, her, he, him, they, them, fae, fairy, air, the ver, z, them, and ze, zur. I have an added a link so you can look up how to say them. Please only use the ones I have listed and not other ones, as I do not like them. Thank you. R. Um, then another one of the counselors sent a reply all email to the student and the other recipients of the student saying that her parents were not to be notified. R R is still in the process of telling his parents and is requesting that school staff refer to him as R and use she, her pronouns with her parents and in written emails and letters home. So this is now months after the parents said, "Please leave this to the medical professional right. so with our both, daughter."
3: Yeah, but they're messing with the daughter and the son. <clears throat> yeah, right. Okay.
4: They uh, both now have switched genders thanks right. to gender queer librarian Jordan Funky, and mm-hmm. the school is covering it up. But it gets better because Miss Manchester, the original teacher who informed them, sends this uh, email conversation to the parents and lets them know that this is happening Ooh, and that the school
3: this whistleblower
4: and she gets fired
3: oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so <laughs> so, <coughs> so they're tampering with the kids having using the kids mm-hmm. as a project to the, to, for some trans theory project they're they're moving them along shaping them into their identities into fictional ones and then in one of the teachers and the thread whistleblows, sends the stuff to the parents, and she, the reprisal is she gets fired because the parents right. she can't know this mm-hmm. information even though they're freelancing as the health care providers over these children even though the kids have their own healthcare.
4: and these aren't medical professionals. No. This is a library sciences non-binary what? 25-year-old who now no longer works at the school district and has moved on to ruining children in Burlington, Vermont. So good luck mm. to you, Burlington, Vermont, but... They also told BF that she could use any bathroom she felt comfortable with, including the boys bathroom, girls bathroom or one of any of the gender neutral bathrooms at the school. And uh, the I believe this defendant is the middle school principal, possibly or guidance counselor offered to show her where the gender neutral bathrooms were located. Um, The 11 year old daughter was being told she could use the boys privacy facilities at school where she could be exposed to middle school boys in various states of undress and vice versa without the parents being informed or consenting to this uh the one of the middle school officials then told bf in an online chat that she was brave and awesome for telling her teachers and guidance counselor that she was gender queer and wanted to be referred to by the name r and man uh,
3: i love that whistleblower i mean talk about an email that is the entire mm -hmm. lawsuit
4: Yep. So she was placed on administrative leave first for conduct unbecoming a teacher relating to your inappropriate contact with the parents of a student, meaning (laughs) told the parents what was going on with their own child in school. Right. They questioned her about it. And um, then they eventually did fire her. And then to top it off, um, they talked about it at the school committee. So you can go ahead. And I couldn't find this online except by... The one like big social issues Republican group in Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. which is they're sort of far out there. But this was the only place where I could still find this video. It's up on Rumble now because it looks like the school district took it down.
6: Am I saying it right? Nicole? Nicole. Yep. So first he's reading. This is
4: the only thing they allow for public comment at their Mm -hmm. school committee meetings at this point in the pandemic. This is from last spring, last May, is you could send them an email and they would read it aloud. So this is this 10th grade student's. Uh, email that they're reading aloud now.
6: Uh, Email states: My name is Alexander Nicole, a sophomore at Ludlow High School. All, all of you know that I have already written a letter to you regarding the complete unprofessionalism in the district, specifically at Bard Middle School. Not only has this district disrespected a widely admired middle oh, school hold on, teacher. Hold on. Oh. Uh, there's, there's no names, right? There's no name. I'm I, I, sure I, we're... I proofread it. There was no name in Okay Alright
3: yep. Go ahead well, they, they read the Alexander Nicole
4: Well you have to To do public comment You have to put your name okay. On what your public comment is
6: Not only is a district Disrespected widely admired Middle school teacher But it also disregarded per- Parental rights Bard middle school It's librarian It's guidance counselors Administration And some teachers Have been pushing an agenda Onto young kids Aged 11 to 14 years old This agenda Has been trying to convince them To change who they are Change their sexuality And gender at an age that many kids don't even fully understand either. There have been numerous parents and students like myself who have major concerns with the behavior of the middle school staff, yet this school committee seems to ignore them. You won't hear us or have a conversation with us. You won't open your meetings up to us. And when we contact you through emails, you shut us down or redirect us to the school. Many times, if we are redirected to the school, they say they have no influence on the issue or they shut us down too. So I ask, who will finally listen to the parents and students of this district? When will this be fixed? When can we have a discussion about this? Or will you just continue to ignore the people in this town who should matter the most to this committee? If you have not, please read my initial letter, and please let us discuss the issues that matter the most to us. Thank you, and good night. Alexander Nicole. Okay. All right. So now we have the superintendent.
4: So now we have the superintendent who stepped down at this meeting, actually, because he was done dealing with this mm-hmm.
0: necessitates a response. Yeah, I think so, too, because most of that's just baloney. So first of all, we do not comment on employment matters. However, I will comment on the rest. Uh, it seems that there is a group of individuals who take exception to the inclusive practices of our schools. <laughs> <laughs> we take pride in the fact that we are an inclusive public school system. The only message we are pushing is one of acceptance and inclusion. As an educational community, our staff strives to create an environment where every student and staff member feels safe, supported, and free to be themselves, regardless of race, sexual orientation, disability, or (coughs) gender identity. (coughs) If anything, we do not do enough to support these populations and we need to do more. Every action we take is in compliance with the laws and regulations of our state and the guidance on these issues released by the Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education.
3: I love this self-empowerment. Absolutely. Well, we're going to block the, st- the parents out of the conversation and have our own uh, email threads about grooming. I'm sorry, developing these people into the identities that we're excited about. Absolutely. Hey, guys, don't tell the parents. That's in the state guidelines? I'm going to
4: tell this student that their gender identity is brave and awesome and ask them if they're getting enough help at home over and over until the parents are cut completely out of the picture.
3: That's great. That's great. Is there any reason yeah. to go on? Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to go on? Yes, please. Okay.
0: However, we take these ac- the actions we do to support our students, not because we are required to, But because Uh we not only embrace, we celebrate the diversity of our student and staff population. Oh, God. Right now, we have a situation where intolerance and prejudice against LGBTQ individuals is being thinly veiled behind a camouflage of what is being asserted as parental rights, half-truths, misrepresentations, incomplete information, false accusations are being put forth to support this facade.
3: This is great because this is unhinged. It was certainly composed, but this is done unwisely.
0: Yeah,
4: I mean, no wonder these parents... Half-truths? Oh, well, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. No wonder these parents are suing the school district now. This was a year ago, but I mean, no, obviously
3: you'd sue the school district if they
4: said this about you.
3: Of course. Half-truths? Well, you let me know right now which ones are half-truths. At its core,
0: this current controversy... I like
3: how this dude's pissed off, too. Yeah. it's Self-righteous. How dare you?
0: ...isn't about sex. It's about identity. It is about ensuring a safe environment with caring adults that students can rely on to discuss problems, issues, or questions they might have. For many of our students, school is their only safe place. And that safety evaporates when they leave the confines of our buildings. So
4: needless to say, the parents felt that this was an attack on their parenting and whether or not their
3: child felt safe at home. Could you imagine that contention? We're the only safe place for them. So we're going to have to act as a parent. I know. Parents can't. What an an incredible incredible assertion. We cannot report and should not
0: entertain any action that denies our students the right to express who they are
3: at the most basic level this these guys needed an attorney in the room we will not uh, deny any action that expresses who they are any action none they can identify as a house plant
0: we cannot consider any requirement that would cause us to discriminate against members of our student body or staff by refusing to recognize them in the manner they wish to be identified as an individual it is our job to create a safe, caring, supportive environment where all students can grow as individuals. And we will continue uh. to do do our best to make that goal a reality.
3: Thanks. That's so is, is, are there signatories to this little letter?
4: declaration? Yes. <laughs> uh, no, that's him. Just that's him going on and he was retired leaving this job at this point to go to like a cushy job and non-profit work and whatever okay
3: well obviously
4: these are all crazy activists and that's why I say like I don't know how you fix the public schools in a state like this at this point because it is top to bottom filled with these crazy people who hate you and cannot wait to get their clutches on your child they cannot wait for your child to come to them and say they're feeling down and find out if maybe they want to use different pronouns and hide it from you they can't wait they're just like itching to do it
3: oh man that uneffing believable
4: Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you can join us on the other side. We're going to do a bit more of a show over on Patreon, so we'll talk to you over there. If not, you can always talk to us for free on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast, Burn Barrel Podcast.com. You can find all the different places. Do we have stuff
3: to read, like emails to read?
4: Um...
3: Didn't you weren't you reading me a long email?
4: I was reading you an email,
3: but Wanna wanna do it tomorrow? We'll do yeah, it tomorrow we can do it tomorrow. We'll do some normal.
4: emails tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to do that just on Patreon. Um or you can email us uh, burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. Say la vie.